Kings. Second Kings. We're going to look for look at a guy who uh, who trusted the Lord to do just that for him, and how God worked in his life. Second Kings, the eighteenth chapter. Wow, it's been a wonderful weekend. I think it's supposed to rain this afternoon, but uh, we can handle a little rain after this weekend. Nice. It felt hot, like summer out there, and uh, I'm ready for that. That's exciting. In uh, the Old Testament at this time that we're coming into, there are two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom, Israel, and there's the southern kingdom, Judah. And we're going to look at the king of Judah uh, specifically this morning. And uh, in those two kingdoms, Israel is primarily always working against the Lord, not following after. And Judah is kind of back and forth, usually uh, trying to follow after the things of God. And we're going to jump in here in first, I'm sorry, Second Kings, the 18th chapter, at a, a man named Hezekiah and how uh, God is going to, uh, to use him and do just what that psalm was saying. God's desire for us as Christians is to work all things for our good. God's desire, whether we believe this or not, is to bless us. God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for our sins that we could have eternal life. And once then we, we trust Christ as our Savior and we become a child of God and we have the gift of eternal life, it's not like God says, okay, that's all the blessing I had for you. No, at that moment we become a child of God. And God then desires to treat us as one of his children. And if you think you like to give good gifts to your children, imagine how much more a God of infinite power can give good gifts to you and I. And that's his desire. He loves us. And so uh, Hezekiah is going to trust the Lord with that. Hezekiah, or uh, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1 says, Now it came to pass, in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. Twenty and five years old. He was a young guy. Uh, he really was just kind of getting started in life. So teenagers, listen up. This is, you know, this is how God can use you. Now you say, well, I don't live in a country where uh, we're going to have a king. Okay, that's absolutely fine. And I am aware that the Constitution would prohibit you from becoming president at the age of 25. But God's desire is to take you and use you in a mighty way if you'll let him. And age is not the issue. It's where we are within our walk with him. So he's 25 years old. He begins to reign. And he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abby. Uh, and there you go. Some Abbeys out there. Uh, the daughter of Ze Zechariah. And look at verse 3. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would make your word vibrant and alive and real. God, that we would embrace your plan for our lives, your desire uh, to do good things unto us and to bless us. Uh, we pray that you would just help us to cooperate with you. Uh, help us to learn from Hezekiah and what he did and how you were able to bless that. And God, I pray that you would Give us the confidence in your word, as uh, we sung about with the choir, that we would know that your promises are true and real and legitimate, and that your desire is to, to make those promises a reality in our families. And God, give us the willingness to follow after you, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
few of God's promises, there are some in the scripture, but few of God's promises uh, come unconditionally, where God just gives us something, all right? A uh, few of those come unconditionally. One of those would be like, for instance, uh, every time you see a rainbow in the sky, what promise is it? God's not going to flood the earth. Now, if you lived in, uh, in Texas, you might say, wait, but uh, God's not going to flood the whole earth, right? That was God's promise. And it has nothing to do with any condition that we meet. Humans, human beings do not have to do anything special. God made that promise, and from now until uh, the end of time, God is going to keep that promise. He's not going to flood the earth again, uh, the entire earth again. So, um, you know, there's, that's an unconditional promise. But most of God's promises come with a condition. If we then follow after the things of God, God promises to bless us. And that's what Hezekiah is about to, to embark on. He's 25 years of age. God has moved in his life in a very special way. And God says, Hezekiah, if you'll trust me, I'll bless you. I'm not saying that you'll understand everything that I'm about to do. But if you'll trust me, I'll bless you. And so for you and I here this morning, uh, you know, for whatever age that we're at and whatever place in life we are, as we take the next step forward, what God wants to do is to bring us to the place where, willing, where we are willing to trust him. And that trust is not a, a uh, you know, something that's just spoken. Trust uh, is, for, for instance, you've heard this illustration before. Uh, I'll go ahead and do it. I can say to you all day long that I trust this chair. I can tell you how it's built, and I can show you how the construction is. I would, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I don't know that much about the chair. But I can talk to you about how much I trust the chair. But I've not done anything yet to trust this chair. You understand? I don't trust the chair until I put my weight on the chair, and I'm going to trust the chair to hold me up, all right? All 150 whatever pounds it is of me. And there it is. So I trust the chair. Well, that's what God says. God says to you and I, trust me. And that trust is not just something we speak. It's not a Sunday morning, you know, yes, I trust the Lord type of feeling. It is the way we live out our life. It is every day choosing to step on the promises of God and trust God's promise to hold us up. It's every day to, to claim God's truth and then be confident that the God in heaven cannot lie, will not lie, and will keep his word. And that's where Hezekiah is. He's this 25-year-old, we would call him a kid, I would. I'm at that age in my life now where I think 25-year-olds are kids. That's why it makes me nervous when my doctor's 25. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, here you are, and, and this 25-year-old kid is about to take a real step in life. Maybe one of his very first real solo steps. And he's got to trust something. Now, what we get in the habit of, we're not careful, is we get in the habit of trusting something besides God. What would we trust besides God? Money, self, those are the first two I heard. Those would be great ones. Trust money. You know, I do not, there's, I, I think I mentioned this last, maybe it's, maybe Wednesday night. I can't remember when it was. But anyway, you know, there's a song. Uh, you can sing it with me. You know this song. Christ is all I need, right? Now, now we say that, but we don't always believe it. Because when it comes time to take a step, now all of a sudden we're like, uh, uh, okay, wait a minute. 
And so it's Christ plus, you know, uh, Christ plus coffee. If I have a cup of coffee in Christ, I can get through anything. No, no, if I have Christ, I can get through anything, right? Coffee is just a comfort food. It's not something I have to have. And so whatever else it is, so here's this, here's Hezekiah. He's like, I don't know what else to do but to trust God. And that's where we're going to come into the story. And we're going to see what God is willing to do for this man, young man, Hezekiah, and what I believe God is willing to do for you and I based upon the truths that, you know, Brian was just saying about, that God's desire is to bring good things into our life. God's desire is to bless us. Now, I'm aware that God's idea of good is not the same as my idea of good always. Romans chapter 8 says this. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, I... I I used to, you know, just grab hold of that verse, yes, because I thought that that meant that all things would work out the way I wanted them to, because that's what good was. But if you read the next verse, it tells you what God thinks good is. Because the next verse says, help me, help me out, how does it start out? For whom he did foreknow, them also did he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know what God's idea of good is? Whatever makes me like Jesus is good. So for some people, God says, here, have some cancer. Because that's going to make you like Jesus. And that's good. Now, it's hard for us, but it's good. Well, sometimes that's the reality of it. But let's see what God does for Hezekiah as we read through this story. Right? We're in verse 4. It says, now, Hezekiah, he's committed. He is going to do that which is right in the eyes of God. He's going to trust God Now, in order to trust God, he's got to take a step. Look at verse 4. And he removed the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. uh, For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense into it and called it Nehushtan. Nehushtan. There you go. And so... Here, yeah, yeah, that brazen serpent. Remember the, the brazen serpent that was made in the wilderness? They had to stick it on a pole and you had to look to it to, to keep the, the snake bites from killing you. Well, the children of Israel began to worship the snake. Now, John chapter 3 tells us that that brazen serpent, that that thing was intended to point us to whom? Christ, right? And John chapter 3 says, and Jesus, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, right? That's, that's the whole concept of that brazen serpent. It was supposed to point them to Christ. They started worshiping the, the uh, serpent. And they had gotten off track. And so, you know, when Hezekiah steps in, he says, I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to trust God, not in word only, but I'm going to step out and trust God. And he is about to challenge the people to do what they don't want to do. I mean, these people, I mean, th- you, you want to really uh, cause some problems? Then you start messing with the things that people think are important, Right? For instance, the brazen serpent. He's, he, break, he broke it in pieces. We're no longer going to worship this thing. And he went and took down this altar and this temple and this tabernacle and all the high places and the things that they had set up to worship false gods. Hezekiah said, we're having none of it. Hezekiah would have been that dad who got right with God on a Sunday morning and went home Sunday afternoon and set, set his family down and said, our lives are going to change. And here's why. Because I'm going to start trusting God. And here's how. And then we start 
dealing with the things that are in our family that shouldn't be there. Hezekiah would be that kid who's coming home from camp, who God got hold of at camp, and, uh, and he comes home and he says, Mom, Dad, or he stands up in front of our church and says, here's what God did and here's how my life is going to change. Because it's not a trusting God in word only. It is a trust in God that results in action. And if you and I are willing to trust God that way and willing to let God even deal with the things that we have from this point backward considered important that we recognize now are nothing compared to the Savior. Christ is all I need. Are we willing to take our high places? You can't touch this, God, and you can't touch this, and you can't touch this. I have to have my time, my vacation. God, I have to have my way over here. I've got, what is it that we're hanging on to that is getting in the way? Hezekiah says, none of it. None of it. I'm going to trust God. And that trust is going to result in an action. And that action is to tear down the high places. To not let anything come between me and this God of mine. Well, what does God do as a result? Verse 5 says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So that after him, none was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. And verse 6. Now here's how this trusting God begins to play itself out and what God is going to do. He clave unto the Lord. He took hold and held on to the Lord. You know, we, we talk about camp decisions. And why do we call something a camp decision, teenager? What, what is meant by that phrase, a camp decision? Somebody? Often. What do we mean by that? You've heard me describe this, explain it. Come on, don't be afraid. I'm a patient man. Somebody else. Temporary. Yeah. That's a camp decision. We often call them camp decisions, right? They, got, they went to camp. They got all emotional. They came back, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then the next week, they're right back to where they were. And we call that a camp decision, right? And we discourage our teenagers from making camp decisions. We discourage you, moms and dads, from making, you know, revival decisions. And it only lasts for a, a, a short time. You know how you do that? You cleave unto it. You, you grab hold of it and you will not let it go. Hezekiah said, this is not a short-lived, temporary decision. I'm breaking down the high places. I'm burning the bridges. I'm not going back. I'm going this direction. And he clave, the Bible says, unto the things of God. Look what it says there. He clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his, God's commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord, verse 7, was with him. Now listen, here's where the promises start coming. All right, God, I've trusted you. And that trust is not just verbal. That trust has become action. And God, I've trusted you not for the temporary, but for the long haul. I'm burning the bridges. I'm not going back. God, I'm trusting you, and I'm going to stick to this decision because you've empowered me to do so. And the result of that is found now in verse 7 where the blessing starts coming. So if you find in verses 7 and 8 
what you want from God, then you've got to back up to verses 1 through 6 to get there. Look at verse 7. It says, and the Lord was with him. Now, we're, the Lord is always with us, right? Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's not like I can ever get away from the Lord. In Psalm 139, it says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. But make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. But take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall the hand lead me and the right hand shall guide me. There's no way we're going to get away from God. It does not mean that God wasn't with him before in that sense. So what does it mean that God was with him now when three verses, it sounds like God wasn't with him. That's not, the, that's not the idea. The idea is that God is now using and working through and working with Hezekiah in a unique way. Do you want to know the power of God on your life? Do you want to know what it's like? Do you believe this? By the way, do you believe it's even possible to be a person who prays and God hears and responds? Do you believe that it's possible for the Holy Spirit of God to be such a, a real person in our lives that we are able to help people because we see their need in a different light. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples? Here's what it means to have God with us versus God not be with us. Jesus is with the disciples. And he says, look up, for the fields are... Did the fields just turn white like two seconds before? Was Jesus with the disciples two seconds before? The difference of the Lord being with us is that when God is our reality, when God is a vibrant action in our hearts, we're seeing the world differently. And all of a sudden, when the Lord is with the disciples, they look up and the field is white unto harvest. Do we believe that God could be with us like that today? Or was that just a New Testament you know, thing for the disciples? Do we believe that God wants to use us? That God wants our Christian walk to be vibrant and lively every day? Hezekiah said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you and show you that I'm trusting you. I'm going to take some action with it. And the result is that God was with. Hezekiah. God will keep that promise to you and I. But keep going. God wasn't just with him. It says, and prospered whithersoever he went forth. God, I, 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 now, I'm not likening myself to Hezekiah. I'm really not. I don't, I've, I've got a long way to get there. But I will tell you that I do feel like often that it doesn't matter what I do. And even if I do it for the wrong reasons sometimes, that this God of mine just blesses me. You just take a look. I feel like that I could stand up here and let's say, let's pray, and you'd still think I preached a good sermon. I just, I do, I feel like sometimes that God is, he's just, he's so good to me. Do we believe that what God wants is to prosper us with every step that we take. That God wants every step we take to be a spiritual blessing that every day ought to be better 
than the day before. What's that song, Brother uh, Bud, you always ask for it? Sweeter, sweeter as the years go by. Do we believe it is that way? I mean, is this the kind of God that we serve? Or does church just get boring until we finally drop dead of boredom? I mean, what does God have for us? Hezekiah said, God, I'm going to put you to the test. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to step out. I'm going to burn the bridges. I'm not going back. And I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it long enough to find out the kind of God that you are. A God that prospers me. Whithersoever I go. There's a man sitting out here. I won't tell you who he is because he hasn't given me permission. He said to me one time, sitting in the hospital bed, Pastor, I feel like everything I touch turns to gold. God's blessed me so much. You think that's what God wants for you? Is it true that it's God's desire to prosper us, to do us good, to bring us to an expected end? Hezekiah said, I'm going to trust you for it. I'm going to believe you for it. This is not a get-rich you know, gospel. That's not what this is. Because God's prospering is not about money. God's prospering is about making us more like Jesus Christ. Do you understand? But when our walk with him is vibrant, the result is a prospering of the soul. I love, there's a, there's a passage in, I think it's 3 John, where it says something like this. I'm going to chop it up because wasn't, it wasn't in my notes here. So it's something like this. He's, John says, I pray that your soul, no, that your, that your body prospers even as your soul prospers. The idea is this. If your health was as good as your spiritual health, what would you be like right now? That's what John said. I pray that as healthy as you are spiritually, that's how you'll be physically. I don't know, but sometimes I hope nobody prays that for me. <laughs> you know, I'd rather, you know, have a little easier time breathing every day. <laughs> uh, you know, but wow, do we believe that that's what God wants to prosper us in this way? That's what God's doing for Hezekiah. Keep going. Take a look at verse 7. The Lord was with him, and the Lord prospered him, whithersoever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria. Now, that rebelling against the king of Assyria is to say, I'm no longer. Think of the king of Assyria as the devil in your life. As flesh, I am not going to answer to the false god in Assyria any longer. I refuse to let the internet dictate my thinking. I am not going to be controlled by television. Get the idea? That's where Hezekiah is. When it says he rebelled against the king of Assyria. He said, I'm no longer answering to those who are going against the God of heaven and served him not. Now look at verse 8, because this is when it gets really good. You ever just wondered sometimes how you can get to spiritual victory? You've fought a battle and lost and fought a battle and lost and fought a battle and lost and you're just getting tired of fighting the battle. Well, it starts back up there when Hezekiah said, I'm going to trust God so much that it changes the way I live. And I'm going to tear down the high places. I'm going to burn the bridges and I'm going to stick to this thing. I'm going to cleave to God and I'm not going back. And in verse eight, it says, God gave him victory. 
and he smote the Philistines. You can shout, it's okay. Isn't it good that God wants to bring you to victory? Teenager, God does not want you to be hampered by the bad habits that you've allowed into your life. By the thought life that controls you every day. God's desire is to give you victory. And that victory doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen without a cost. The cost is to tear down the high places and to stick to it. And this isn't going to be a one-time camp decision. This is a daily walk with God that's going to be different. And God is now going to be with me in a unique way. And God begins to prosper. And that prospering leads to victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be Hezekiah. I want to know what it's like to have God working in my life every day. It starts with tearing down the high place, trusting him. Heads bowed, eyes closed for me.